Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Courtney, how are you? Jacked up for training camp. I know. I am wearing a football shirt with football pants and football shoes with football socks man you took it to a level that i was not expecting considering it's still only the middle of july but that just shows that you've really been grinding the tape and really you know reading your keys and trying to memorize your keys so you can adjust to your keys as as needed so you know honestly it sounds like you didn't take much of a vacation of a vacation this summer you were just too busy being a football man right grinding and working on my assignments and my alignments see it's not just one or the other people get that you know technique up. is really important I think that that's something that people lose in the off seasons but it sounds like you're you know you're you're constantly polishing and protecting your technique and I've tried to enter this camp in the best shape of my life that that's fair you know nobody wants to come in 40 pounds overweight right and I'm not in the best shape of my life but I've tried because it's camp time anyway because we are starting training camp next week and the rookies are set to come to camp and start practicing Thursday. Is that right? Thursday? They report on Tuesday and then their first practice is Wednesday. Okay, Wednesday. Um, close. We, close enough, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, with that, I wanted to get us together and start previewing camp. We've got a few different things coming for you, but we want to start with just the most interesting players that are going to be at training camp this year. So each of us has made a list, and I just did mine thinking of the ones, the players, the 10 guys that I'm going to be watching the closest. What was your philosophy in creating this list? Mine was not going to be on the guys who are going to steal all the headlines. It's Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, those type of guys that we know. I mean, of course there's intrigue, you know, with, with Stefan Diggs now in the contract situation, which – you really think wouldn't get done because of Brand- the way, you know, where Brandon Cooks was last week, the, number- the figure that he got. And now Diggs can kind of call his figure considering his agent is also Le'Veon Bell's agent. I don't know if everybody has been able to draw those dots. He's not going to settle. So, I mean, yes, that that type of thing I think is going to draw intrigue. All camp, he's going to be asked about it. Uh, whether it happens sooner rather than later doesn't matter to my list. My list is more of the guys that either – a, 
are on the verge of making the team, need a really good training camp, uh, B, could create some position battle, or C, um, really just the general intrigue, you're wondering what does this person, you know, how does this person, I guess, evaluate, evaluating them to the overall success of the team in 2018. Okay. Um, and mine are, are just who I'm going to be writing about and focusing on on a day-to-day basis. That's, I mean, most, I, th- I, think. I think that's fair. So, all right, uh, real quick, though, because you d- took me on a different path in my mind about Stefan Diggs and Anthony Barr. Where we stand right now, after the Cooks deal and with Anthony Barr still having no contract, w- just put a bet on it. One or the other or none get their deal done by the first week of camp. I think none. I don't think any will get done by the time training camp starts. So where does that leave us if that doesn't happen? I mean, this is a whole other podcast. But it I mean, really is. But where, I mean, where do we go from there? I mean, like if you're Stefan Diggs, you don't want to be going through the season with people asking you about it. So you kind of have to put a date on it, don't you? Don't you have to say, okay, at the end of the, the camp or when season starts, we're done talking about this. I would think because otherwise it's just going to become a week-to-week-to-week thing. Yeah, I agree. But I think that he also could use his really to leverage. I mean – Nobody cares about the 1,000 yards, the not having a 1,000-yard season. People care about the injuries and the mm-hmm. and what that can do uh, for his ceiling going forward. So I think for him, um, numbers aside, the last few years aside, it's really about staying healthy. Um, he that's that's his number one priority for this. Just be able to get the max figure um, he wants. Because I mean, you don't have that security going into this season, playing out your contract year. The final year of your rookie contract, not having it locked up, which I think has a benefit because I don't know. He might price himself out of what the Vikings could potentially offer him next year if they decide to keep Anthony Barr and if other chips fall where they potentially want to, you know, re up Sheldon Richardson, things like that. Um, so it could work out as a really big benefit to him, but that conversation's not going to stop. Whether he wants it to or not, There's it's going to be alluded to in tons of writings it's going to be talked about constantly um as to, as far as what he would be able to bring to the table so if when he the, has another good year yeah when there's other wide receivers who are not as good as him or just on the same level and not by fantasy stats but by their actual skill sets uh brandon cooks jarvis landry i think that they're close but i would put Diggs above both of those Devontae guys adams too i mean that's he could very well be in that figure i don't think he's going to take a team friendly deal like, why would you take nine to eleven million now, knowing what Brandon Cooks just got, what Devonte Adams got? Who, if you compare statistically, his stats were cl- to the guys who like all re-upped after and got contract extensions after last offseason. Adams, Landry, Evans, and the list goes on and on. Um, Adams has the closest mm-hmm. statistical comparison to Diggs, and Diggs actually has topped him in several categories. And I think he had a five, four-year, fifty-eight million. I mean that's probably the range that Diggs is going to be wanting. Yeah, and then the, the guaranteed money will be an issue sure. and how much money up front, and, and they have to manage their cap over the next few years because of Kirk Cousins' contract and, and some of the other deals that they have. I don't think that either Barr or Diggs is the type of guy who will take the money now like Daniel Hunter. No, they're not getting any discounts with either of those guys, but I'm not sure either when you take a look at next season – you know, is Diggs a franchise player? Would you potentially want to use the tag on him? I think that's a question that you have to find out this season. Same thing with Barr. Um, maybe just given, you know, with with the, the alignment of the thinking with Mike Zimmer, maybe he thinks he's a franchise player. Is he, though? I could definitely see them franchise tagging Diggs. 
Okay. If, I mean, they, if they've got the choice. Now, they did draft Barr really high. And if he has a great season, that might swing this. But I think the tag would be more likely just knowing this team and without even thinking about 2018. Just if we were to like predict it right now, I'd say for which Barr, player for for Bar. I think I okay. would predict that Bar would probably get the tag before. if they if they both don't have contracts. Yeah, you if, think if, if we're Barr. both just going evenly, like we're not even thinking about 2018. If we're deciding right now on July 20th, that's who I would think that they would do. Yeah, and, and maybe, I think it's I don't think it's the right decision. I think that Diggs, you're not going to find somebody as good as him in free agency next year, right? More than likely, and so. you certainly don't have another guy that's just in waiting for yep. them. Nope. I mean, Laquan Treadwell is not that guy. Even if he is is better this year, he's not going to take a role of a top 20 wide receiver in the NFL. That would be completely stunning if he did. And we know spending a first-round draft pick on a wide receiver is kind of a crapshoot. So if you were just trying to replace him in free agency, I think he's harder to replace than a middle linebacker that could do a lot of things. Yeah, that's I think, I think that's totally fair. And I think that... I mean, as we're going to get into here with our list, where Barr fits into this equation this year is Are you huge. trying to tell me something? Well, maybe. To, to, but, get to, to get to the list? I mean, mine's a little further down, like where I have Barr. Fine, it's my spoiler. Anthony Barr's on my list. but Just ruin the whole um, thing. Yeah, you might as well just turn the podcast off now. <laughs> Go back to summering for your last few days. Okay, so you have clearly the long snapper battle of Kevin McDermott and himself as number one. So we'll just eliminate that yeah, and start with number 10 on your list. Number 10 on my list is Brandon Zilstra, the wide receiver from the CFL that they signed to a futures deal last year. And the reason people are probably like, oh man, this is, this is going to be the worst list ever if I'm leading off with this. But in talking to several people and just seeing how good of a spring Zilstra had, I think he's somebody that is a very strong candidate to make it's for a roster spot. Uh, when you take a look at the other guys they're going to keep in front of him for a very deep group because it's Diggs, Thielen, and then it's everyone else. Um, Zilstra was incredibly impressive. I would like to see what kind of role he's going to secure for himself. Uh, he's going to be somebody I'm focusing on, you know, going throughout camp. I mean, you saw him against the, with the twos and I think some with the threes uh, in camp uh, or in, you know, mini camp and then in OTAs, but Really good body control, great size, you know, ran some really good routes that we saw. And I think that that's somebody a lot of people should, you know, get to know the name. I agree. Uh, he had 100 catches in the CFL, which is no joke league. I mean, that's guys who are just under the NFL talent, and he dominated there. There were a few days where we walked away saying he was the standout player of minicamp. Mm -hmm. His ability to just win the ball when it comes his way, it seems like he's got great hands, which is a great, is a great starting point for him to have this strong minicamp. The only thing I can't help thinking of is last year I thought Isaac Frickty would make the team for the <laughs> same reason. And Zimmer even shouted out Isaac Frickty at the end of minicamp, like, oh, I love some of the things he did. And then it was over really quick in training camp for him. But Zilstra, I agree, is an interesting name. And I would say this, too, that a training camp list, I think people want the Zilstras on the list. Yeah. To, I mean, to know who to look for, for one reason. They're going to keep six receivers. When you're thinking between the Diggs, Thielen, Treadwell, Coley, there really are two extra spots there. Whether Kendall Wright, you know, I know that he didn't have that great of a spring. Whether he can grab onto one of those spots, I believe we talked about. It. He only has 300000 guaranteed on his deal when he signed last in March. Um, what are those last two spots? Because I guess I, in my head I have Stacey Coley and Laquan Treadwell. I include them in the four. Um, I think Zilstra is a great candidate for, for that and somebody that 
you know, have a big camp, work your way onto this roster and secure some sort of role. Maybe you become the third down guy. I mean, find your niche mm-hmm. here within a really stacked group. It's tough. So you could have put him, Corey Robertson is another yeah. guy that you, you could have put there. Uh, I, I did maybe, it and I would not, you, but. No, but you. I'm saying you could get Jake Winicky. that all these guys will be battling for that spot. Mm-hmm. I would rank Zilstra number one right now for somebody to surprise and steal that final Role and, and we'll see with Stacy Coley too. I mean, he makes the team, but he ends up with zero catches for for the whole year. So he's going to have to compete as well for a spot and battle for it and and do a good job in preseason like he did last year in order uh, to win that. My number ten is Mike Hughes, first round pick. I think he will compete for the nickel spot and he will probably win the punt returning job. Yeah, but as far as first rounders go. The reason he's number 10 on this and not number one is because it's a position that they have pretty much set. It's not like, oh man, he's going to be starting outside corner day one. We're watching him every day against Diggs and Thielen. Yeah, we're, we're kind of going to be keeping an eye on the battle with him and Alexander and see if Alexander takes another step. But I don't have him as high because I, I think he might be able to win that nickel at best. But I don't think we're talking every single day about, oh, he looked this good or he had a bad day or whatever. I don't think we're micro-analyzing him like we would most first-round picks. I think it's probably a good segue because I switched a few things around on mine. He was number nine. I originally had him a little lower, I guess higher towards number one. Um, he he wasn't taking first-team reps at all this spring. McKenzie looked like he was finally able to grasp what it takes to play nickel corner. Um if that becomes a battle, I think it's really more of an indictment on Alexander. Uh, and if, if somewhere where Terrence Newman and, and Mike Hughes are competing for that job, I think that's a problem that you have in your secondary. Where Hughes fits into this mix, I mean, you drafted a first-round guy when you had so many other needs on this team, hint, hint, offensive line, um, to be a punt returner. I don't understand the logic. I don't, and that very easily could come back to bite them. Uh, is that an indictment on Mike Hughes himself? No, he wasn't the one who picked that he was going to go to the Vikings at thirty. But you know, special teams is going to be his biggest impact. Unless there's got to go some something else, got to go very south in order for him to enter into the conversation at nickel. Um, but he provides really good depth. I think it's important given you know. How how often they're in these sub packages where he could potentially provide some depth on the outside. We saw Xavier Rhodes got hurt, you know, just about every game second half of the season that came out. I mean, there's a role Mike Hughes could fill on the outside. And I think Mike Zimmer will want to rotate there. He has rotated some players in the past. Last year, Mackenzie Alexander got a good number of snaps, about thirty yeah. percent, working in. I, in, in could the secondary. very easily see Hughes getting that same type of role. And and because the conversation that's the most interesting around Mike Hughes is all the people they didn't draft, that's why I have him at 10. Yeah. I mean, if, if you said, how interesting is Will Hernandez versus Mike Hughes, I will be keeping track of everything New York writes about Will Hernandez throughout camp and throughout the season because that's the guy that we all had pegged for them to draft and, and your experts and your Todd McShay and everybody else seemed to think Frank he, Ragnow. he was the one that, yes, if it wasn't Ragnow, if he hadn't gone off the board, but he goes off the board and then it's okay. You're taking Will Hernandez and they don't. So I think we're watching some of the other guys, those other offensive linemen and in the second round too, more than we're watching Hughes. So mm-hmm. who is number? You, you're, that was my number nine. That's your number nine. We're kind of okay. like weaving back here. So now who's your number nine? Okay. My number nine is Brian O'Neill. 
I don't think that Brian O'Neill has much of a chance to win the starting right tackle job. I also think that last year we went into camp feeling like we knew who was going to be on the offensive line. And then it was completely different in day one. Right now we feel very confident in who's going to be the offensive line. That could all change. If Rashad Hill has a really tough camp and it doesn't look like he's a guy that can play 16 games, then O'Neal will have a chance. And O'Neal is a much, much better athlete than Hill. And they might just take some of the bad with the good because of O'Neal's high-end ability to get out in space, his athleticism, things like that. that. That's possible. I think he will have that opportunity going into camp. So that makes him interesting to me. What we saw that was it the first or second day of mini camp where he was lined up as a tight end going out to catch passes. That to me is saying somebody on that staff, maybe it's Mike Zimmer, maybe it's John Filippo, They are going to eventually be told this guy needs to play in some form or fashion because they drafted him high. Um, whether it's, you know, in, in goal line packages, whether it's in jumbo, I think he's going to see some time this year. I don't think he's a starting right tackle, but you know, who knows? He might come there and he might be 10 pounds heavier and all good weight. I mean, I wrote a story on it. He's done it before. And he's had to make these quick transitions before. But to play right tackle in the NFL and, I mean, start week one, I don't see it. Because he has a lot of way to go with technique, too, yeah. not just, hey, put on a, a little more muscle. I have a bet with Chip Scoggins of the Star Tribune over under one half touchdowns by Brian O'Neill this year. Does he score a touchdown this year for the Vikings, Brian O'Neill? Probably not. I say probably not, too. But Chip thinks he's scoring one. Chip thinks week one or week two, they hand it to him or or throw a short pass to week him. Week two in Green Bay? Because because they want to put it on tape. So then everyone has to think about it when they oh get to the red goodness. zone. I don't, I don't think so. I love it, though. I love I mean, the bet. I love great bet. bet. Love I, I bet. love prop bets like that. Those are fun. Who is your number eight? My number eight is Sheldon Richardson. Okay. We didn't. We don't really know all that much about – I mean, you can't really evaluate defensive tackles all that well in, I think, minicamp and three three practices. When the dudes are in shorts, like – Looked great. So, <laughs> looked very big. He looked like a defensive tackle. Yep. Um, so I'm really curious to see – this is his prove-it year. He signed the one-year $8 million deal. He can go in and get a bunch of sacks, or maybe he doesn't. Like, you know, last year he had one sack with Seattle, and Zimmer said that when he were evaluating three-tech tape that that was not something that was all that concerning because he pressured the quarterback. He got to the quarterback. He had, what, 20-something quarterback hurries. Um, and, you know, to me, I want to know how is he going to affect this where – we get to see this defensive line take the next step for, you know, he's filling in the role of Tom Johnson. Um, what does this defensive line look like now that he's in that spot? And, you know, how much better can they get? I am going to hang on to the opinion until he makes me change it, that Sheldon Richardson isn't that far above Tom Johnson okay. in, in terms of what their impact will be on this defensive line. I think that there's a thought he'll come in and be, one of the top players at the position and completely dominate and they will have this fearsome foursome defensive line as if they don't already with Mm -hmm. who they have there. But I think what we'll find is he's very, very good, but so was Tom Johnson. 
and we underrated how much of an impact Johnson had, especially he wasn't that great in the run. I thought yeah. he held his own. I think that's the, the only holdup that people yeah. had. People are like, oh, well, let's automatically, you know, Sheldon Richardson is going to be a huge step up, and that is he? But in the in the pass rush. Yeah, of course. Per rush, I mean, he was just as good last year, Tom Johnson was, or at least in that ballpark. And not that they're going to miss him necessarily because of Sheldon, but I don't think that the upgrade is going to be massive. Mm -hmm. And there's also, you know, Richardson's personality. I think he's coming here to make some money and see what happens. And he's going to be extremely motivated. Absolutely. A very motivated Sheldon Richardson is probably a good thing. Get back to the Pro Bowl. He's not on my list, but I like the pick. Okay. Number eight for you. Um, Seven for me. Who was eight for you? I'm sorry, it is number eight for me. We were just talking about Ten, math before nine, this pod- podcast. Seven, add the three. Okay, number eight for me is Delvin Cook. Okay. And the only thing I'm really interested in with Delvin Cook is just if he looks like he did last year. If that burst is still there. And then also the side angle of how does John D. Flippo use him? Mm-hmm. Is he going to be a wide receiver sometimes? Because that's awesome. Is he going to be the main target, you know, for the offense in terms of like screens? Is he going to get targeted a hundred times this year in the passing game? I think we'll start to get a sense for that as training camp goes along and how much Latavius Murray is going to play. I mean, if Cook looks great in training camp and they're using him all the time and all these different roles, will they use him and Murray together maybe? Or will Murray just not have that much of a role? So I guess it's kind of Delvin Cook slash Latavius Murray. Sure. And I I think for the sake of this, like because Delvin's on my list, I can just list him where he is. We can have the conversation. I'm really eager to see Delvin in the RPOs. And, you know, it's not a new concept, but I think that it's going to look different when you have, you know, how Kirk Cousins is orchestrating those and how those are drawn into the game plan. Um, I really like the idea of him as a wide receiver on goal line packages, potentially using Murray, you know, putting Murray in the backfield, Dalvin in the slot. I think that that would be a really cool look and potentially very explosive. So I'm, I'm with you. I think that there's a lot of, I mean, we know about the ACL, you know, coming off the ACL. What does he look like from that? That's obviously a huge discussion. He told NFL Network he doesn't plan to be wearing the brace for the game. Um, but how different he looks in this offense and what wrinkle that provides the Vikings going forward, I think, is a huge reason uh, to be excited about you know where where his ceiling is going to be and where he can reach it in, in year two. Who do you have next uh, for number, number seven. seven? I have Laquan Treadwell. This for is seven. like this is like the pie chart incident. <laughs> just like, <laughs> this is, you just can't get these right. Well, you think about it, you like have like both of them lined up, and you're just like weaving back and forth like a triangle. Um, anyways, you I have Laquan. What? I have Laquan Treadwell. Uh, at number seven, because if camp ended in May or in June when we saw mini camp, he would have won that number three receiver role. I would like to know what's changed with him. Um, I'm working on a story just about, you know, year three for him. This is, you know, this is pretty much do or die for Laquan Treadwell, because if there's any semblance of them wanting to pick of picking up his fifth year option this year has to be a 700 plus yard year he had every chance last year to grab the number three role he didn't he got hurt um and now it's wide open for him I mean he had Kendall Wright did not look good in camp it was a lot slower grasping the playbook and just wasn't you know just wasn't a good fit in in camp earlier in May and June Stacey Coley had a heel injury and was hurt we see Laquan Treadwell grab this role can he hold on to it 
There's going to be a lot of intrigue, too, because he's a first-round pick, and people are going to want to say he's a bust. And to clarify, you cannot cut this guy. Maybe you could trade him. I don't know how. But if you cut him, there's a huge penalty. There's like $5 million to cut this guy. So can we just, like, get that out there, please? And I had his age up here. I was looking at it. He's 23. But he's 23, so it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for any team to just cut a 23-year-old first-round pick and take a huge hit on the cap. Mm -hmm. Like Why why would you do that unless the guy is detrimental to your locker room, which Laquan Treadwell is not? No, he's quiet. He's just fine. So unless someone's really hurting you as a team, as a first-round pick, you're going to give them every opportunity to show why you drafted them. And then if it doesn't work out after four years – that's when their contract comes up and you let them walk. That's how everybody does it. You rarely see someone take that bath by cutting a guy who mm-hmm. is a first-round pick. Call me cynical here. I went. I think it was bold for me to not go with Laquan Treadwell on my list at all. Okay. I think we know what we have in Laquan Treadwell. He's someone who can get on the football field and go play outside and run a route that no one's paying attention to while Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen do great stuff. We know that Treadwell can block a little bit. We know that he can't really get open. He can't really go up and get it like he did at Ole Miss. And Mike Zimmer even called him out for not being able to run all the routes correctly in practice one day. So I I think last year was the year that we were all like, oh, let's watch Treadwell every play and every down, and he's so interesting. This year, I'm just like, okay, until this guy shows me I should care any more about him than I do, um, I'm not going to. I just think the intrigue of whether – can you finally call him a bust at this point? Because I've been holding off on that. I've been holding off on McKenzie, you know, feeding into that with the 2016 class. There's a lot riding on them because last year there was a lot riding on them, and both of them failed to meet expectations. This is do or die, and I think any do or die battle is worth looking into. My number seven is Rock Thomas slash Mike Boone. Okay. Sorry, I, I did that, but – Number three, Thomas running Boone back. Okay. Or Rock Mike is my guy because I don't know which one of them might be able to play and potentially win the number three job. Right now, Mac Brown probably is the leader in the clubhouse for that gig, but they picked these two guys up, both undrafted. Boone played at Cincinnati, didn't have really great I like numbers. Boone. I really do. I'm a little more intrigued by Thomas. Did, but Brock Thomas didn't play in the spring. I know, and that's why I'm a little more intrigued. I, I think. What are you intrigued by? I, I'm intrigued by some of his college tape, okay? <laughs> okay? One of us has been watching Rock Thomas college tape. I did go back did and Did you watch... watch his Auburn tape from the one year he was there and then his Jacksonville State tape? I watched mostly Jacksonville State. Uh, but with Auburn, I mean, he came in as a five-star recruit, and he was good. He just didn't get a lot of chances to play because Carrie they had Johnson was there. Exactly. They had star running backs. And then he went to Jacksonville state and did what you expect him to do. I think he's a little more intriguing than Boone who just struggled at Cincinnati. I mean, he had one decent year and then averaged like four yards of carry last year. And that doesn't make, that doesn't scream to me like, Oh yes, you've got to have this guy, even though he's got great athleticism, that number three spot is interesting because if Delvin Cook gets hurt, then you're asking somebody else to play the role of Jarek McKinnon from last year and, and, and split that because Latavius Murray cannot be the every down back. We just need to figure out, are either of these guys true change of pace backs? Right. Um, that's the most important need here because they can get the explosive plays with Cook, obviously. They can get a good bulk of them 
if needed from Latavius Murray. He's not going to be relied on for that as much. I think he's going to be in a situational role. What is that number three role with all the RPOs and in this offense? What does that become? What are you at number six? Yeah, we're at six now. Okay, what do you got? My number six is Holton Hill. Um, I originally had him a little higher, but I moved him down. Um, I think he's intriguing because his name's brought up pretty much at every turn when you're talking about the secondary, and I really like what the possibility that Mike Zimmer hinted the day that Mike Hughes was drafted about using these four cornerback looks. I mean, it's nobody's in their base defense anymore. They, you know what, the Vikings ran at 70% of the time they were in nickel last year. You have that type of depth in such a deep secondary as it is with as many first-rounders as it as they have. Holton Hill adds to that mix, and I mean, I think you have a diamond in the rough here. That, you know, somebody who had some, you know, disciplinary action type stuff was the reason his draft stock fell as far as it did to where he went undrafted. You know, this was one of the, you know, this was a top, one of the, you know, mid-ranked corners in the draft. I, I think they got a steal. So I put Holton Hill all the way at, at number two okay, because of how much I think we'll talk about him from a day to day. And you're right about his high ceiling. He was a very good player at Texas. He was a tremendous player in high school. And then we just had the weed issue. I think a lot of teams, I mean, in the seventh round, the Packers picked a long snapper or a punter or something. I think it was a long snapper. Yeah. Isn't the guy from Mississippi state could be. But, I mean, I if you're that. picking a long snapper instead of Holton Hill, I go, oh, man, really? Is this guy really going to make it? traded up in the fifth round of drafted kickers. So. Instead of Holton Hill. Yeah. So if he's so good, why did everyone draft special teamers and not him at the same time where he was ranked from the draft experts and his skill set, which you see on tape with him in Texas, he's a tough player. He had pick sixes. He was a great tackler. He's got a lot of things that... Mike Zimmer likes, I think he's got a good chance to make the team as an undrafted guy, and that always puts someone at the top of the list for me when they've got that intrigue of, yeah, they could just blow up and fall apart, and it could be terrible, or this guy could end up being a steal and a starter eventually. I mean, not this year. He could play safety potentially because of his size. I I did ask Zimmer about that, though, in the spring, and he says that probably not right now. I asked him, can you look at him? He's huge. Like, mm-hmm. you know, can you move him around? But I think that they're gonna, they want to keep him at corner for now. But who knows? Maybe training camp will reveal something else. So my number six is Kendall Wright. Okay. Because I think he's got a good chance to be cut if he doesn't show up and stand way out. If he can't look better than Treadwell. If some of these guys like Zilstra or Robertson or Coley, I think Coley's kind of the sneaky one that could end up being a significant player on this team. If those guys are better than him, Coley can play outside or inside. Kendall Wright can only play one spot. And when you look at how they've divvied up the slot routes for Thielen and Diggs, they, they've probably gotten 70% of them over the last couple of years, and then Jarius Wright's filled in there. Are you only going to keep this guy to only run 30% out there, or are you going to try him on the outside too? Or and, and everyone's learning a new offense. So why is he on the second team? Yeah. I was it's a little not, surprised it's, by it's that not like, spring, oh, he's learning right? a new offense. Like, everyone is. No, I agree with you. I think that he is somebody who signed a one-year deal. He has, we talked about it. He has 300000 guaranteed. Don't, it's not going to be that much to cut him. Um, this is a deep group, and he's got a lot of work to do. I mean, he should have been with the ones, if you're thinking about mm-hmm. that, because everybody, you know, the narrative was, oh, they have their number three receiver. Well, then what do you do with Thielen? You know, is, he, is this guy going to take Thielen's looks in the slot? No. There's going to be a lot of crossing routes. There's going to be a lot of opportunity to get guys, you know, 
moving around inside. I think Diggs is probably your ex. I think that that's going to be that's a really good role for him. But I am curious as to what they do with Kendall Wright because if we're looking at it right now, it looks like there's a 50-50 chance, maybe even greater, they doesn't make the roster. Who is number five? Number five is Dalvin Cook for me, so we okay. can go ahead and skip over that and go to year five. I have Daniel Carlson as number five. <laughs> okay. Kickers in camp. It's fun. Come on. I just, in my mind, the competition has already been won. Well, because you don't trade up in the fifth round, draft a kicker, and give Kai Forbath a one-year veteran minimum deal where he has no guaranteed money if you don't already know what this competition is in your mind. But saying that, Forbath has survived before. He has, and Carlson has to make the kicks. And every day when he goes out there, we are going to be watching every kick. In minicamp, he destroyed one from 55 that could have been It would have been 60. It would have been about, like, over what, 60? 60. Yeah, two? it would have been over 60. It would have been good. I mean, this guy's got a monster, monster leg, but he's got to go out and do it. He's got to do it in the preseason games, and this battle, since they didn't just cut Kai Forbath, we're going to have a battle on our hands. Yep. So I put him on my list. Okay. Number four for me is Everson Griffin. Really? Yes. Because we didn't see anything from him this spring. I want to know how injured he is, first off. I mean, they, Mike Zimmer said it's not the plantar fasciitis that kept him out. We didn't see him do anything uh, this spring. I want to know how serious that is because he's 30 years old. He peaked last year with a 13 sacks, 45 tackles, three forced fumbles. Are we, you know, is this going to be another great year? Or are we slowly starting to see the decline and where he might not be? I mean, obviously they'd have to restructure the deal, and there's, you know, a lot of numbers that I don't want to get into. Um, but what, where is Everson Griffin now going into this season versus where he was last year where, you know, he exploded? And does that affect the defensive line rotation? Who knows? I mean, we, I'd like to know, too, is he going to be ready for, you know, the first week of training camp? Are they going to hold him out longer? We don't know what that leg injury is all that much. So I agree with everything you said. And your number four, that was four? That's four. Connects to my number four. Okay. Which is to Sean Bauer. Oh, good. I like that one. For all the reasons that you mentioned, that if Everson Griffin does have an injury that he's battling, it also could just be they don't want him to get any more injured if he has a hangnail. Um, but it could be that you know he battled that injury last year, and if, and if he's got another one that he's dealing with, that you would expect that he's going to have to take some of the plays off now. They're going to have to dial it back. And will they move Anthony Barr to the defensive end at times? Will Tashawn Bauer step up? In preseason last year, he was fantastic. I forget who won Mr. Mankato, but he was, I think, my pick. It was either him or Stacey Coley. And I thought, okay, like, this guy is going to play a lot. Mm -hmm. And instead, he barely played at all. So are we going to see him come out and make an impact, get sacks in preseason, and Zimmer actually use him this year? I think we'll start having that conversation a lot as we go along and watch how he's doing. And that brings me into my number three. We're very good at this, going off each other, thinking alike. Not um, intentional. Not intentional. Anthony Barr. I think the intrigue with the contract is greater, at least for me right now, thinking of that, than Stefan Diggs, just because we know Diggs is going to get his money. Um, I think the the thing that's really intriguing about Anthony Barr is the value versus what he might he and his representation might be asking, which does that allude to why we saw him in the spring playing a little bit more of a role coming off the edge? I mean, we saw him do it in 2012 and 2013 at UCLA. I mean, he had sack numbers, 23 sacks, um, has had one last season. 
where does he fit into this defensive line rotation? What does his profile become this year? Um, you know, if they, if he does have to play out the fifth year, you know, his fifth year option. It's a great question to see if Zimmer gets creative or he kind of stays status quo. Because going into 2017, I thought we would see some different stuff, and we didn't, and it worked fine. And they were the number one defense, and mm-hmm. there should be no complaints. But the league changes all the time, and I wouldn't be surprised if Zimmer wanted to do that and if Anthony Barr wanted to do that. I didn't have him on my list um, aside from the contract, but I didn't really factor that in. For, I think for his this. role for I mean, I don't, I'm, his, not, I'm not really yeah, thinking about the contract. Role. I think yeah. that you know Anthony takes out the insurance policy, kind of like this almost like vote of confidence from the Vikings, this unspoken thing, and then it's like, okay, if a deal doesn't get done, whatever. That is more intriguing to me right now than a Diggs contract situation. But I think his role, what does he become this year? Because it's pretty clear that they were doing this intentionally to move him outside, not necessarily because Griffin was out, but because there's they, they talked about that defensive line rotation and they wanted to have that, put him, make him part of that. There's a guy that's still on the free agent market that I, I'm just kind of surprised the Vikings haven't been in on, which is Robert Ayers, who had a lot of pressures last year and is kind of a proven pass rusher. Seems like the perfect guy to bring in and compete for a spot there in case Bauer or Steven Weatherly or none of those guys step up. Mm-hmm. Or Brian Robinson gets hurt or just shows even more signs of age. What if he doesn't make the team? Uh, last that would year, be awful. We thought that was possible last year. It'd be Canada. pretty bad. You had cut, t- take him, give him a pay cut, tell him to come back for you know two million dollar pay cut. And they're like, oh, we're gonna cut you. But number th- I've seen worse things happen. Sorry, number three on my list is you've seen worse things happen. Is that what you said? Yeah, I mean, Just I, terrible things you've seen. See more unsurprising things in training camp happen I, than I know. a veteran I, told to take a pay cut, come back, and then gets cut. I, I don't. Know. For some reason, my mind went to like I've seen some stuff. <laughs> I've I've seen some stuff. You think Robinson's going to be bad? I've seen some stuff. Um, Rashad Hill is my number three. I think for reasons that are pretty obvious. I mean, he's going to yeah. right now. He's your starting right tackle. And in 2016, we didn't know who he was because he was in Jaguars camp on the practice squad. That's a huge jump. And last year, there was some good from him, but there was some also some very bad in the playoffs, especially with him out to dry at right tackle. Can he take another step? Is there another step there to be had? Or is this already a ceiling? Which I kind of feel like it is. And if that's the case, then how is he going to defend Kirk Cousins? Or could he potentially lose the job? Or could they panic and start looking for somebody else throughout camp if he's getting worked on a daily basis? He's a guy we're going to be watching closely. For sure. No, I kind of have him combined with my number one, which I'm probably giving away now. But... um... His role is determined by what Mike Remmers does, too, uh, which we can get to. I'm going to go to number two. Is For me, is Kirk Cousins. It's probably the, un- the not very sexy pick. You know, you kind of expect him to be low on the list. I don't even think you have him on your list, but, you know. I made a last-second change. Okay, okay, fine. Um, Kirk Cousins, number two. We need to see where he's at, you know, coming off the, the spring and, you know, had a little bit rough mini camp. I'm not taking too much stop, putting too much stock into that, but everything, their Super Bowl window rests on him. And I want to know how he orchestrates this offense. And, you know, it's more than just the connecting with your receivers. It's more than just your cadence and your timing and, you know, changing your launch points and, you know, how everything's morphing around him. I mean, it all starts with him. We're going to be talking about him every day. He is the biggest storyline from the offseason. I don't see how I couldn't put him at number two. I think you're fear-mongering already based on minicamp, and I don't like it. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. All those red zone interceptions. I'm fear-mongering. I thought about them every day during my vacation. <laughs> so I had Holton Hill number two, and we yeah. talked about him already. And then I decided last minute to put Kirk Cousins number oh, one. Oh, man, you cheater. You told me you were going to put him on your list. I know. I thought about it because we'll just all be talking about it, and we've already kind of talked about Kirk Cousins so much and gone through his entire life story and everything he's ever done. Did you know he was an underdog at one time? I didn't know that. You know his fourth-round I... pick? What? I've... Undersized? No. Was almost a walk-on at Michigan State? Was he the guy that was behind RG3? Yeah. Yeah, RG. he was actually drafted to be RG3's backup. 100 Dude. picks between them. I don't know mm, if you counted. Wow. Did his team president call him Kurt repeatedly? I believe Possibly. so. Is that the same guy? I, I mean, we've gone through this guy over yeah. and over and over again. But here's what changed my mind. In minicamp when he had the bad day, and we all wrote a lot about it in the red zone stuff and everything else, that's how it's going to be. Like, through this training camp is every single day how he performs ends up being a storyline because he's the biggest story of the entire offseason, maybe in the whole NFL. I think so. I think that's totally fair. And he's got $84 million shoulders that carry a lot of weight right now. And, you know, this team is going – I mean, this team is a defensive team. Let's, let's not forget, like, the identity. It didn't just change because Kirk Cousins came in. Some might think that it might be shifting that way, but – I think some of the decisions that we saw in the draft and other things show that this is still a defensive team, um, good, bad, in between. But he is a huge – this team will live and die at with the quarterback position. I mean, they, that's the reason they went after this guy, to fill in that missing piece. So let's run down our whole lists. Sure. Go from 10 to 1 on yours. Z- uh, at 10, Brandon Zilstra, Mike Hughes, Sheldon Richardson, Laquan Treadwell, Holton Hill, Dalvin Cook, Everson Griffin, Anthony Barr, Kirk Cousins, and I will pass off to you now. Can, okay. you, can you count back from uh, from 10? Maybe. Uh, I'll try. Mike Hughes is my 10, and counting down from there, 9 is Brian O'Neill. Eight. No, I'm just messing with you. So uh, Mike Hughes, Brian O'Neill, then uh, Delvin Cook at eight, Rock Thomas slash Mike Boone at seven, six is Kendall Wright, five is Daniel Carlson, four is Tashawn Bauer, three is Rashad Hill, two is Holton Hill, and number one is Kirk Cousins. So now I didn't give you my number one. Oh, you didn't? I stopped at two. I, I forgot. We were. Oh. Yeah. My number one is, I think, the most important in the biggest domino that will fall. It's Mike Remmers. Oh, okay. Um, For me, what's going on with Remmers, Mike Zimmer, I think on KFAN the other day, talked about how... Never heard of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't know if I should mention that. Um, Shmash man. He made it sound like, yeah, that's where he's going to be playing the majority of the time. He is the key cog in this entire equation. Where he plays determines another opening. Right now, the opening's at right tackle. Whether that, you know, if that's Rashad Hill, if he can't perform that duty, what does that become? Does it become you're scrambling, looking at, you know, all the veterans that might have been cut from camp because of either, you know, a bad system, somebody else took the job, what have you. Or you move Mike Remmers back to right tackle. What happens at guard? Is it Danny Isadora? Is it Tom Compton? Is it somebody else that we don't know yet? I mean, this will be they're going to be opening up week one with the you know fourth straight year with a different starting offensive line combination. This team, I cannot stress it enough. It's not just Kirk Cousins that benefits from having a really good offensive line. It's the run game. It's the protections. It's everything. Um, this team knows firsthand 
the importance of having a really good offensive line and a healthy one because those guys last year stayed healthy for about five weeks and then the wheels very slowly started to come off. Mm-hmm. Nick Easton goes down. Then, you know, by week by week eight, you've got Danny Isadora starting. You've got Rashad Hill starting. And then you take a look at what happened in the NFC Championship where, you know, the domino effect is bottomed out. So, for me, offensive line, storyline of training camp, all starts and circles around Mike Remmers. Okay, that's a good pick because if he has to kick out to right tackle, then it's just a, an open competition and all of a sudden – Colby Gossett ends up being part of it. You know, I mean, who knows what yeah. ends up happening at right guard if they have to move Remmers out there. And yeah, I mean, this they're probably kind of... praying that doesn't have to happen. Yes, because yes. Rashad Hill is your easy answer right now. He can start games. Can he start sixteen? I don't know. I think this could very easily see the wheels come off three or four weeks in. I love that we gave our whole list without giving your number one. Just, just <laughs> it sounds about right. right. We just can't do anything that requires numbers or numerical order no, or separating math. things that way. Major math problems. So we'll be talking all math and analytics for the next podcast. Um, next podcast will be our bold predictions for camp. So look forward to that. Thanks, Courtney. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the Purple Podcast. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.